Hello, welcome to the new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. We have a very, very special guest today. Finally, we have Mark Roscrow, HCSA Chairman. Um, Mark, it's taken a while to get to you. We were just chatting off air about how uh, you've been patiently waiting to get the big call. Hi, Bruce. Yeah, I, I was beginning to think I'd been left off the list. <laughs> no, but uh, no, it's nice. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you. Well, we're welcoming you to the table now. Uh, most people are going to know this anyway, Mark, but outside of your role as chairman of the HTSA, what is your day job? Well, I, I kind of retired as the director of procurement for NHS Wales about two years ago and agreed mm-hmm. initially to come back and uh, and help them run some programs. So my official title is a program director. So initially mm-hmm. it was help with Brexit and Brexit became COVID and COVID sure. became the vaccination program. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the two years has kind of flown by really doing a, a variety of different things. But I think... Uh, December at the moment is the current cutoff, so I might actually get to retire in December. <laughs> well, you'll be you'll be sorely missed, I'm sure. Um, d- before we come back to that and touch a little bit on Brexit and, and, and COVID, um, is it possible to give a, a bit of a pointed version of how you found yourself in procurement and where it all started? <laughs> My God, it's like a history lesson. Yeah, I, I mean, like lots of people, I kind of stumbled into mm. procurement by accident. Um, I'd uh, finished A-levels, university wasn't uh, an option I was all that keen on, so you kind of start looking at jobs, and um, a, a family friend worked for what was called mid Morgan Health Authority in those days, and he was in the, uh, the HR department, as it would be known, and he said, oh, there's a couple of jobs going, so... Uh, I, I applied and it was there it was come for an interview and there was a job in the admin office and one in procurement and um, they rang me up and said oh congratulations you've been appointed I didn't even really knew which, which job I'd got to be honest and and they um, they sent me a contract and in those days the grades were different so they had me starting off as a as a sort of senior graded person. And I can't remember what the salary was, but uh, it was a lot more than I thought. But of course, that, that was the good cock up of the workforce department. So I was the lowly clerical officer in the procurement team in, uh, in, in Mid Glamorgan Health Authority, which was actually somewhat ironically in Cardiff. So it was in South Glamorgan, um, which uh, never made any sense to me, but that's where it was at those days. So that was the start of my procurement journey, uh, Bruce, to be honest. Complete accident. And, and the rest is history. I mean, this is quite a familiar story, isn't it? Because yeah, you know, I've, yeah. I've done a number of these and people, people tend to, if I, if I had to sum it up, um, and I don't, I don't have to sum it up, but I'm going to <laughs> right now. Um, I would say that, People tend to almost, you know, initially stumble or in the past have stumbled into procurement, but then very happily stayed there. So that must say something quite positive about uh, the, the, the career there and um, uh, how people uh, connect with the role, I suppose, once they once they come into it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, initially it was just good to have a job and get into the sort of work ethic. And then, um, you know, you shortly, I always remember day one, the, the guy who I worked for, who had, who had some, I won't name him, but he had some some merit and some not. So he drew me a, <laughs> he drew me a, a sort of family tree, if you like, of the hierarchy. So the, the senior procurement officer in those days was a Mr. Radway. Everybody was Mr. in those days. Yeah. So he was Mr. Radway at the top of the tree. And there was this guy who was about halfway up the tree. And there, there was me at the bottom. And uh, so I, I think it did two things. It made me understand where I was in the food chain. But he said to me, well, if I was really, really lucky, I might get to be a senior administrative assistant um, if I sort of played my cards right and did the right <laughs> thing, you know, by the end of my career. And I and I that's sort of stayed with me, really, and thought, well, you know, there's an opportunity to progress in this world. And um, but I'm, you know, I'm a bit more determined to go a bit further than that. So yeah. um, several years later, when he ended up working for me, I quite enjoyed that bit, really. <laughs> did you make him call you Mister? Uh, no, <laughs> he, did, he didn't last very long. Should we put it that way? <laughs> I actually, uh, if it makes if it makes you feel any better, um, I actually often refer to you as Mister Rosgrove when talking to other people at HCSA. Although I have to admit, <laughs> that's mainly because there's a lot of marks around. So if yeah. I just said, if yes. I, just said well, I use it as a way of sort of filtering device. But nevertheless, it's meant affectionately, Mark. Oh, thank you. I, I, I take it in the spirit. <laughs> um, so one of the things, um, obviously, you, you know, you, you spoke a little bit at the top about Brexit and, 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 and COVID. And COVID is one of those things that to some degree I've tried to sort of kind of move away from a little bit recently. Mm. On, on the podcast just because obviously you know as much as you can when it's when it's so all encompassing and it infuses everything um but having said that i think it's worth bringing up because um partially i guess because of me uh you became the face of hcsa in the national media and on national television um during the peak of covid uh, you kind of became the de facto, um, yeah, the de facto face of the HCSA. I myself was responsible for you talking to a lot of national newspapers and mm. getting on national television, mm. including being one of the big faces on Channel Four News when, mm. the, when, the, when the presenter does that thing where he turns away from his desk and looks up at that huge cinema screen, and, and there you were mm. in, all, in all your glory. Mm. Um, so I wanted to ask you because I've, I've not really had the opportunity to really ask you particularly what that was like because obviously um suddenly you know to some degree you were as you said a lot and it's one of the reasons why we talk a lot about the HSA awards is that procurement stuff is for, for for most of time has been in the background very much so there's been a lot of kind of heroes in the background doing stuff and and obviously they came to the fore a lot more over COVID and that's one of the reasons why awards are so important as one of the ways of recognising procurement professionals when perhaps in the past they, they weren't. But obviously the whole industry came into the spotlight during the last 18 months um, and you yourself was put into the spotlight a, a lot. Mm. Um, what was that like for you? And what was it like to suddenly be in, in, mentioned in national newspapers a lot and be on national TV, you know, quite a lot? What was that like? Um, I suppose it was a combination of things, really. I, 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 I sort of quite often joke that uh, it was easier radio because I sort of face for radio rather than TV. <laughs> so it, it was a mix of 
have really some quite odd experiences. Um, yeah. I think the strangest one was we were doing a kind of COVID Brexit combination and the, the, um, the crew were in uh, Dover and the mm-hmm. guy contacted me because he had the, they were on sort of live and they had a laptop perched on a car right. and I had a guy filming. So he'd come to the house to film yeah, and because of the COVID, he was sort of. I have the the door of our conservatory open, so I'm inside. He's outside yeah. the conservatory. Oh right, <laughs> and and he's sort of saying, right, we're going live now to Dover, and mm-hmm. so I can see on my screen the guy, you know, live in Dover, and it was mm-hmm. all a bit surreal, really, you know. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting, both in terms of TV, radio, newspapers, um, mm-hmm. and all with sort of different ways. I, I probably learned more about Zoom and Teams and all sorts of different ways of connecting with people. Um, and what you tend to find is it's a bit of a it's the, they're after a bit of a soundbite, but they're also trying to catch you out sometimes as well. Sure. Some of these people are you know, they've got their story and they just want you to reaffirm it, which is not often the case. Um, yeah. So, no, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, what's it feel like to be in front of, you know, there's, I don't know, there could be a million people watching on mm-hmm. the telly sort of thing. And you tend not to think about it. It's like you and I having a conversation now. There could be, you know, 100 people listening to it or 1,000 people listening to it. You become immune to it. It just becomes a conversation between you and whoever's interviewing you. Um, Live stuff's a bit different because that has a little bit more edge to it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I I mean, I quite enjoyed most of it, to be honest. Um, You know, it was uh, not something you'll probably do, well, you certainly won't do every day of your life. And it's one of those things that um, was a bit rare. But I, you know, I, I think... I was always trying to provide a fairly balanced view of things and conscious that, you know, a lot of members were going through an extremely difficult time for all Mm -hmm. the reasons we know about. And just to reflect that and that um, it also, I think, provided an opportunity to show how important procurement is. As you say, you know, we're not very often in the spotlight and and we probably wouldn't have wanted it for the for the reasons that we were there. But nevertheless, I think it's it's sort of forced procurement onto the agenda a bit more. And people have certainly realized that, um, you know, the, how critical it is that uh, the job that uh, the people do across the country. Absolutely. And I think you avoided getting into any trouble, which was good as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think you escaped. I think you got away with it. Yeah, um, probably. Skin to my so, teeth sometimes. Mark, um, this is a, a important period for HCSA because mm. we are we've said goodbye to Alan Hoskins Hoskins yep. as previous um chief officer of HCSA yeah and we have a chief officer designate and Keith Rowley yep so obviously as chairman and as someone who's part of the selection process there I suppose mm. first of all it's um it would be a miss not to ask you about saying something about Alan, first of all, and then I'll ask you about Keith. So first of all, um, how would you sort of sum up Alan, his period as chief officer of the HCSA? Um, yeah, I, I think Alan, well, I don't think I know, Alan has navigated us through a, a you know particularly difficult time, um, yeah. creating the trustees and charity status um, was always going to be a different journey. Um, and I think that 
owed much to the work that um, uh, Alan did at the time with John Effingham, uh, Eugene Cook, and, and, and some of the other guys who were involved, Duncan as well in particular, to, to make the decision to move to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it also... Um, uh, it, it probably didn't at the time anticipate the sort of magnitude of that change and having a uh, a trustees group that sat above uh, in terms of a kind of governance structure to it. So it, wa- it was a difficult transformation to, to navigate. And I think Alan played a huge part in that, along with some other people. But, um, you know, I think it's difficult to underestimate how big a contribution Alan made through that time. And, um, you know, we went through a difficult period with trustees and one or two other things. And um, Alan had to do a huge amount of work in the background um, to take us from, you know, what, what was a, you know, a, a reasonable position, but as a, as a much more organized and I, and I think um, a professional backroom team that supports it. And I think in order to allow HCSA to flourish going forward, it's been terribly important that we, we cannot rely on people doing favours and, and just doing mm. a few hours now and again and perhaps a yeah. bit on the weekend. It, it's grown beyond that. Yeah. And we need the people to be able to do the work and support it. And Alan's been hugely instrumental in getting us to that position and recognising that that's important. So, you know, I, for lots of reasons, um, Alan's chosen to sort of retire and move on to different things. But I, yeah, I still think that... Um, going forward that uh, Alan can can help do a number of things still with us in the future and some of that we'll we'll wait and see how that unfolds as we go forward but um, yeah. no I, I, I think it's a good opportunity to use this as a platform to thank Alan for the huge amount of work he's done um, and I think members owe him a, a great uh, debt of gratitude really and without perhaps realizing how much time and effort he he did put into it but uh, you know as I say with with some others and his team at Portsmouth around him as well great so uh, when the time came to to look beyond Alan then yeah. um, can you give us a little idea about the the process there and um, arriving with uh, Keith Rowley as we now have as the chief officer Guess, yeah, I mean, matter. I yeah, I, I think um, you know, again, it's it's a lot of credit to Simon Walsh in this, in that Simon stood into the to the gap um, as a sort of deputy chief, and and he and Alan had worked extremely closely, and mm-hmm. you know, with a good foil. I, I won't kind of use the two Ronnies phrase, but uh, <laughs> they they kind of work really well together, mm-hmm. um, and that was extremely helpful in in going through this transformation period, which we're kind yeah. of still navigating our way through a little bit. But yeah. um, Simon um, was, was instrumental in um, designing the process, really, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at the, the exact group that supports, you know, the regional folk who are out there who support the, um, the day-to-day running of the organisation. And those were the pool that we, that we turned to initially. Um, and therefore people were invited to express an interest in it. Um, there were several conversations with people and um, and I think it was an opportunity for people to really understand what was involved. So, you know, um, I had some conversations with people, Keith in particular, 
wanted to just test, I think, what the commitment looked like. And we were mm -hmm. keen to make sure that the backup and the support was there from the organization you work for, you know, through yeah. to your own family and commitment, because it is, it is a time consuming job. Mm -hmm. And I think Keith, you know, I think we had a, we had a useful conversation, but he wanted to give it some careful consideration and make sure that if he was going to throw his hat in the ring, he was doing it for the right reasons, you know, yeah. um, which, which I respected. I think it was important that mm -hmm. that was, was something that he did and we, we did together and I think uh, going forward, we recognize that uh, to help Keith and to help the organization move to the next level, this is where we probably need some further support around the day-to-day -day running. And, um, you know, that's where the next steps are going to take us. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to know Keith. Keith's um, been part of the supply cast panel mm -hmm. discussions. And, and one of the things that, you know, is, is very clear when you, um, you know, when you host a conversation with Keith about topics of interest uh, around procurement and procurement professionals is um, you know is the passion that he has. He's very passionate, mm. driven, and all that. And even from my experience doing doing the um, those panel discussions with with Keith, it struck me when um, you know I heard that Keith was going to be chief officer designate that um, he was a he seemed the kind of perfect choice for the next stage of what HSA are looking at. Um, and I guess um, what do you, what do you, what do you think it will look like? Makes you say under Keith, you know. I I think um, Keith, by his very nature, is a different beast to Alan, and that and that's fine. We're all different. I think Keith is a very inclusive and considered individual who will try to seek views from people. Not not to say Alan didn't, because he he did as well, mm -hmm. in a more perhaps inclusive way. And um, I think. Keith will take some time to consider where we are and where we need to go as an organization with the support of the, the exec team and trustees playing their part um, in, in the next phase. So I, I think um, we, we probably, if, if, if circumstances had been different, we were probably only going to have another year of Alan anyway, because I think yeah. he was naturally coming to a point where he mm -hmm. moved on and forward. You know, it's probably come to us a bit sooner than we anticipated, but you know, I think we've dealt with that. And I think it's a good opportunity to think about the next stage. And I think Keith will, will help us get to that position. Uh, it's exciting times, isn't it? Chief yeah, officer, is. I guess a deputy chief officer. The process is there into yeah. um, selecting the right person to, to work alongside Keith. Yeah, um, yep. you know to, to repeat that too on his combo, as, as you said, <laughs> um, uh, and also um, yourself, but also uh, Keith as well. Did a little like video um, announcement that's on our Twitter account, which is. HSA procurement, which went down very well. It's had a lot of views, um, and and the response in general, actually, the response to um, Keith being announced as chief officer designate has been, um, you know, across social media, has been extremely, extremely positive. But I guess that's something that you would have been expecting. Well, I, I'm pleased, and I think yeah. it, it just sort of uh, pays testament to Keith as a as an individual and as mm -hmm. a respected procurement professional within the organisation, which is which is fantastic. Um, and I think that's good for us in terms of not only members, but also, you know, the role that this chief officer plays in representing HCSA in a number of forums. You know, we know in the NHS in England, there's a lot of change going on. Um, and I think we are keen that the voice of HCSA 
is is heard in those forums and that Keith will more than adequately represent us and be able to get the views of members across. And I think we've already seen some of that in the conversations that have that have started. As you say, we're in this sort of transitional period, but in fairness to Keith, he's already had you know mm. some meetings, some discussions yeah. with, with senior colleagues in various bits of the NHS England machinery. Um, and I think that's that's been useful. And I think um, by the time we get to conference and we get to the uh, the PD, PDP summer school, um, you know, those discussions will have moved on a bit further. So, um, I, you know, I think it is it's an exciting opportunity. And I think Keith Relish is the, uh, the chance to push HCSA forward in those forums. Now, you mentioned the, the conference. Uh, obviously, Keith uh, officially takes over 1st of October. So we're only like this, when this podcast goes out, would be a little less than a month uh, away from that. And then in November, we've got a return to face-to-face at the conference in Harrogate. Yep. Um, so it all sounds like really, you know, good timing. Uh, how much are you looking forward to the November conference? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll make my confession. No, I haven't told anybody this, but I, um, I, I was potentially missing it because I had a holiday booked. And like many people, um, I'd had various holidays shifted yeah. through COVID into different periods and they were beginning to stack up. So I had a holiday booked and I hadn't really paid much attention to, to the date until I looked at it a few weeks ago and went, oh dear, um, <laughs> completely clashed with uh, the conference. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've rescued that situation because yeah. uh, for a variety of different reasons, yet another holiday has been moved to a different date. So um, I, 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 I confess my sins in public. I, I, I did debate Italian Simon, but I didn't pluck up the courage to do that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay. This is, I, this is an exclusive. It this is, is yeah, exclusive. yeah. I'll share exclusive with you, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I think you know it'll be great to be able to actually. I, I think the online stuff that we've done has been really good, and and to be fair yeah. to, yeah, it's been very VIP, impressive. You know, it, it's been it has been impressive, and uh, in the circumstances was 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 really really good. But I, you know, there isn't for me any substitute for for the face-to-face stuff. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to actually seeing people whose, whose faces or names have popped up on a screen. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm. The numbers look really good for conference and hopefully yeah. people are booking up. You know, I think we've got a lot of support from companies and sponsors who want to come. So I, I think there's a really good vibe about it. Uh, there's a lot of anticipation that... Um, you know, we can we can have a really good event. We've got a lot of really good speakers lined up. You know, I think the networking opportunity and the you know the catch up opportunity it presents is fantastic. So no, I I'm really mm. looking forward to it. I have to say, now that I know I'm going, uh, <laughs> and that is the 24th to the 25th of November. Just in case you yes. also have a holiday that's yes. been delayed the, to that day, don't book your holidays. Sure yeah. You've got that clear, and that you uh, you make sure that you're booking for that as well, because yep. as you say the take-up of um, places for the conference have been absolutely outstanding so far. So, uh, Mark, before we were just about to move on to the little fun bit at the end where we get to ask a couple of questions about your personal preference and et cetera, et cetera. But before we just move on to that, just one last question. I suppose, what's the, how do you see the state of play in terms of um, COVID right now? 
um, uh, from a procurement point of view? I, I think um, I think we're generally in a good position. I think uh, you know whilst the numbers of uh, positive cases are going up, that's probably inevitable as the as you loosen the mm -hmm. shackles. I think the vaccination program's been outstanding to get to the percentage of population that that we've done is yeah. is remarkable. You know, it, it it feels like a long time, but it's you know it's a big task. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I'd like to think that uh, with all the uh, all the work that's been done and all of the um, you know the effort that's gone into it, that uh, we can get through winter, which will inevitably be difficult. You know, there's there's always huge winter pressures mm -hmm. combined with trying to address the the backlog. But um, you know, I, I think we've reached a point where COVID. Has to be almost treated like the normal sort of winter flu that you sure. know, people may get it, and you know, you can't continue to lock the country down. I know we're we're planning, and the rest of the country are planning a big booster program, which is probably going to start towards the tail end of September. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that I think will hopefully give people some added confidence and some added protection against COVID. And that um, that gives people the confidence to get through winter, um, and you know we come out the other side reasonably unscathed. You know I think, you know inevitably there's going to be cases. Sadly, there still will be people who will who will die from COVID. That, that just seems inevitable. But uh, I think we do seem to be in a far better position. You know we we the clinicians have got used to the treatments that are able to hopefully get people through it so um yeah i just i just think we're we're in a far better position to deal with it and it, it just becomes almost part and parcel of norm what is becoming normal life really and just quickly um i, I was going to ask you the same thing about brexit brexit kind of it's, it's funny isn't it how it works this was clearly the key topic for procurement yeah. prior to covid you know this yeah. is what you know in an in a, in a alternate universe without covid most of the podcasts that i've done would have had major discussions around brexit yeah. how they got pushed out by by, by covid yeah. um uh, how do you see the current brexit situation we've obviously seen some issues with um some where it's pressurized things already yeah. um, how do you see brexit that kind of slightly forgotten about major issue yeah, um, no, you're right. I think you know, without COVID, we'd have been talking probably about Brexit till we were blue in the face, and we probably had enough of that with the various states that were moved. And I think yeah. you know, what we're seeing and suffering is more to do with the consequence of um, a combination of the two factors. So, so people, particularly, we're seeing it with HGV drivers. You know, that a lot of uh, of of, of um, uh, people who were drivers who went back home either because they were seeing Brexit and staying in the country as an issue and or then COVID because they felt that they perhaps were safer or better off at home. Mm -hmm. and, and that has seen the loss of a lot of skilled drivers in that area, combined with the fact that the normal sort of recruitment, training, testing of people to pass HGVs hasn't happened. So it's almost a perfect storm. And that seems to be more of a problem than anything else you know product is is being made you know, it can be shift and move but the, the physical difficulties of getting drivers to shift stuff is the problem we seem to be facing and i'm not sure 
people quite envisaged it in that way. But, um, you know, that that's probably the bigger challenge we've got at the moment. OK, well, there'll definitely be more on Brexit in the future that we'll be, be sure. talking about various uh, individuals. But if we leave it there for now, um, I think it would be a, a nice time to sort of let you off the hook a bit now, Mark, and, and, and whisk you off to the Desert Island Supplies part of the podcast. Yeah, okay. um, regular listeners will know that we're taking, we're dropping, we're parachuting Mark into a desert island where there's plenty of fluids and food. Lord knows where that is then. But um, as long as it's in the sun, I don't mind. It's definitely in the sun. Let's assume yeah. it's in the. Let's, let's assume it's in the sun. Um, but the only thing that you are missing, and the, the one thing, or the three things that you're missing, or three things you're allowed to take with you, are luxury item, um, one album, and one film. Uh, as I always say, again, miraculously, also you have the abilities to be able to listen to music. And watch films on that desert island, <laughs> <laughs> particularly strange desert island. Sound. It's a desert island with a little home entertainment area. What can I say? You know, yes. make it, it exists somewhere out there. If you don't <laughs> think it does, I, I say this to you: prove it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it does exist. It's out there. It's our very own one. Well, um, Mark, first of all, what's the luxury item you'd be taking to it? Um, oh, probably my bed if I was on a desert island, because I think the luxury of some sleep would be uh, in comfort rather than yeah. lying on some sand, which I'm not a, but I like desert islands. I like islands. My, my <laughs> cancelled holiday was a Caribbean island. So I was it really was. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, um, so I think the bed would be, uh, would be the luxury item to make sure. Not, it gets not a hammock. Oh God, is that, no, not, I, I, is that I, not the standard desert island bed? Yeah, it probably is, but I, I would tip out of it. Um, so. <laughs> no. So we'll let you have we'll, we'll let you have the uh I can the have the bed. bed so you can have the bed. We'll let you have that. Thank um you. what 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 music would you be taking? Um well I've probably got an eclectic sort of choice of music, but if I had to pick one, it would probably mm. be uh Bruce Springsteen's The River would be my uh, album of choice. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I I must admit, I I did think, I was expecting you to go for, obviously Wales, very famous for singing, both close harmony singing and producing singers. Uh, So I was was almost, I mean, I don't don't wish to pigeonhole, but uh, I was almost... Would have bet money on Tom Jones coming forward oh, there in that well, moment, or, or someone else of a Welsh persuasion. Yeah, um, well, but I'm assuming she, that you know. Yeah. Do you well, yourself not, have a great singing voice, Mark? Oh, sure God, you do. No. Don't all don't no. all Welsh people? I thought. Ah, well, you see, I'm not Welsh, Bruce. You're not Welsh. No, I'm not. But I'm not. our second exclusive. I was uh, I was actually born in Bridlington. Right, but so, so when so, did you move to Wales? Because you obviously sound extraordinarily Welsh. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my father, my father was in the RAF. So when right. I came along, we happened mm-hmm. to be well. He happened to be posted in uh, in Bridlington, and obviously my right. mother was there with him. Otherwise, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have been born in Bridlington. Um, so um, yeah, so I'm uh, by by birth a Yorkshireman, um, right. passionately United supporter for my sins. Right. Um, so no, I'm uh, the, the music would not. I don't know. I like Tom Jones. I think he's fantastic, and certainly yeah. at his age, he's good. And um, 
would be would be uh, would be something to consider. But no, I'll uh, mm. I'll stick with uh, Bruce. And and as you know, um, the dog is called Bruce as well. So um, there's a there's a collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought I thought yeah. I think that's uh, you know I th- I was you know I was uh, yeah. The dog is not named after me. It's named after <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Um, it's actually transfer deadline day. Um, as we record this, and I just, I've, I've just seen that Leeds United have signed Manchester United winger James. James, who I believe, who is, I don't believe, I know, is Welsh. He is, he is, and he he, he should have come to Leeds before he went to Manchester United. So um, well, he's there yes, now. yes. Well, I I I have to, you know, my son is a professional footballer as well, so I have to keep a close eye on these things in case he's moved somewhere. He might have actually moved oh, out really? of my house, which I which I never knew. But there we are. <laughs> is he really? Where does he, he play his trade currently? Well, he, he's uh, it's a complicated story, but more recently he was at Wimbledon, but he left mm. there, so he's been uh, he's been loaned out from TNS in the Welsh League at the moment. Mm-hmm. So because um, he needed some game time, so he's uh, he's back in Cardiff at the moment um, for his sins. So um, yeah, well, best best of luck to him in his future as well. Um, so we've got the Bruce Springsteen. We've got your nice comfy. Bed from home. Right. Um, what what film are you? What film can you happily rewatch again and again on that design? Uh, yeah, I'm not a massive film buff, but but I in thinking about this, I, I probably take The Great Escape because it's quite right. a nice long film, and there's um, <laughs> it's one of those things you can get lost in the amusement of. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. So that would yeah. probably be my uh, my one to watch. Might even help you to plan your escape should you decide well, you want to. You, you never get off know. the island, you know, you get know. yourself a, a motorbike or dig a, D- dig a tunnel. Dig, dig in that tunnel, yeah, so the, <laughs> or the Shawshank redemption, perhaps. But there we are. Mark, thank you very much for finding the time to talk today. It's thank been, you. Uh, it's, it's, and you know, I'm sure we'll, at some point in the future we'll, we'll um, do this again before you, um, you know, complete your tenure at HTSA as chairman. Um, I'm just going to wish best of luck to the future. And I'm very glad that you're going to be making it to the conference on the 24th, 25th of November. Yes, indeed. Thank, I will be thank, this time. <laughs> thank you very much. We've managed, Thanks, Bruce. We've managed to beat out against the Caribbean holiday. And if that is not an endorsement of the HTSA conference, I don't know what is. Indeed. So thank you very much for joining us. And um, hopefully you'll join us in the next episode of Supplycast. Bye. Bye.